Welcome back to another week of the JRM Sydney podcast. We hope as you listen into the word today that you will be inspired and empowered and that your eyes will be open to something new. God bless always. Father, we give you thanks today. We have this awesome privilege to hear your word. Oh God, Lord, we don't make it blindly, Father. I pray that you will anoint our ears, you will anoint our hearts. And Lord, it is my personal prayer that you will have your way today. Lord, just like the wind blows however it chooses. Lord God, let your wind blow in this room. Lord God, I continue to accompany each and every one of us. Lord, in Jesus' name, pray. Amen. Another time of worship. You know, it's a time of worship that I said during time that worship is the only thing that will remain until eternity. Kapag tapos na tong mundo, when this world is finished, when we're already in eternity in heaven, the only thing that will remain is worship. <laughs> no more evangelism, no more uh, Bible study, <laughs> no more singing, but in our, even in our personal time, in personal devotion with the Lord, even with everything that we do, that we regard as our worship of the Lord. Do you know that those times of worship are the only times wherein your body, soul, and spirit is perfectly in unison. Yeah. And working together to glorify God. Amen. Any other activity on earth, you might be using your body, you might be using your mind, you might be you know, emotionally involved, but only in worship is body, soul, and spirit together as one glorifying the name of Jesus. You know, that's why we do that, we sing our songs as physical, you know, we, we use our vocal cords, even though uh, so we raise your emotions are involved, your mind is involved, your spirit absolutely is involved. You know, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That's what worship is. Loving the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Worship is not my preaching today. I just wanted to hear what you have. My preaching today, I would like to title it, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. Everyone say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Living in his manifest presence. Who here, um, when you wake up in the morning, uh, the first thing that you say is this. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Holy Spirit. How many of you have husbands and wives? Good morning, honey. Good morning, love. Good yeah. morning, yeah. <laughs> No, um... Uh, going back to 2004, 2004 is when it started. Uh, and I developed this habit. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing that comes out of my lips, you know, when you open your eyes, is good morning, Holy Spirit. It's the acknowledgement of the presence of God in your day. And also as an expression of your dependence upon Him. The moment you say good morning, Holy Spirit, it's a sentence, but it's really a paragraph. <laughs> it's a sentence you're saying, good morning, good morning, Holy Spirit, but really what it means is that I really need you today, God. <laughs> With all the things that I have to do and accomplish in my work, in my family, my children, the strength, everything. When you say, good morning, Holy Spirit, it's loaded with meaning, you know? And also it says, good morning, Holy Spirit. It's loaded with thankfulness. Good morning, Holy Spirit. I'm alive. My husband is alive. My children are alive. We are healthy. We are, I have a job. I have a roof on my head. I have food in my table. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. The Christian life is uh, the life that acknowledges the presence of God, you know, in our lives. Amen? Are you with me? Are you with me? If you can remember this verse in Corinthians 13, 14, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship 
of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And that pertains to a personal relationship that you have with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. <laughs> Uh, this, I define this as my prayer as I prepare this preaching in Ephesians 1, 17 to 20. And this is my prayer for you guys today. This morning, you are experiencing fresh bread or manna from heaven. Later in our second service, uh, they will have a double portion of an So, this is my prayer for you guys. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the Spirit. Notice the capital letter S. Whenever you see capital letter S in your Bible, the word Spirit, that pertains to the Holy Spirit. May give you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Apart from the Holy Spirit, even if you hear the Word of God preached, even if you read your Bible, if the Holy Spirit will not give you wisdom and revelation, Revelation is the Holy Spirit revealing to you truth. Yeah. Eternal truth. Kahit nabasahin mo, nabasahin mo yung Biblia mo, kapag wala ang Holy Spirit doon, you won't understand it. You might understand it cognitively, speed level, but Revelation is spiritual. It is something powerful that God reveals to you as you read or as you hear and listen to the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, Revelation is given to those who are expecting to happen. Are you following me? When you come to church, what's your expectation? Or you're just thinking a box of religion? Because in tradition, every Sunday we have to be in church, so we have to be in church. No. What is your expectation? Your anticipation? Whenever you come to church, whenever you do your personal devotion, you come to God, you pray every morning. Um, and then it continues on in that verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart, your, eye, your heart have eyes. And you know, we were singing, uh, Jesus, beautiful Savior. And then we were singing, what a beautiful name it is. And while we were singing, I was praying, God, open the eyes of our heart mm. and we may see your beauty. Yeah. Because everything can be so beautiful. Have you ever gone to a, uh, uh, what do you call this? Uh, a log drive. Or, parang pag holiday. You went to Queensland or New Zealand or something like that. And then you had a log drive. And then, the paligid. The paligid. The surroundings are beautiful. Pero, <laughs> the person beside you is sleeping. Yeah. Everything is beautiful, but the person beside you is sleeping. Yeah. So he missed it. Mm. She missed it. Because her eyes are shut. Yeah. God can be doing wonders. God can be doing such amazing things. And your heart's eyes can be shut when you don't see anything. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So that's the prayer. I don't know if Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Come on, let's close our eyes. <laughs> Open the eyes of my heart. Some of the worship leader. I'm I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know, you can only know if the eyes of your heart are open. That you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe, who here are believers. And that power of this, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Amen. And seated him at this right hand in heaven. Look at this. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is what resurrected Jesus Christ.
from the grave. If the power of the Holy Spirit can raise the dead back to life, death is the ultimate enemy. Yeah. If the power of the Holy Spirit, look at this, can raise the dead from, from, from the grave back to life, it says here, that same power is in you. Amen. The power of the Holy Spirit, if you are truly a believer, lives in you. And what are the dead things in your life? Mm. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have power of life in death. Amen. Are you, are, you, are you following? This is my prayer. That the eyes of your heart will be opened. And that the spirit of revelation and wisdom will be upon you. That you will begin to see how wonderful it is to be a Christian. How wonderful it is to be a child of God. Now, I have a bit of a, some things that I'm going to run through. I ask you to stick with me and comprehend this and really ask the Holy Spirit to make you understand. Now, I have here something. Chocolate. <laughs> some of you already know this, but some of you may not remember anymore. This is uh, my favorite chocolate. <laughs> Top the room. Dump the room, right? So, <laughs> but anyways, okay, you know, who likes chocolate here? Come on, raise your hand. Okay, is one of the most famous chocolates in the world. You know, like, this is already 112 years old. Started in a home, you know, by a couple in Switzerland. The name of the guy is Theodore Cobbler. And the name of the road is a play of words because it is Cobbler, the last name of the inventor, and then Toron. Toron is a type of nugget that it has. So Cobbler Ron. Um, and it is the first ever. Thank you. 
you know, the flavors, how they make it, yeah. what's the meaning of it. You know what? They're actually eating your tablero wrong. Kapag binabali niyo, when you're trying to break the triangle, how do you break it? Outward? No. It has to be broken inward. Oh. 
You know, they would say, oh, get me out of here, it's so hot. You know, it's uncomfortable, it's inconvenient, but most of the time, not sometimes, the Holy Spirit has to bring us through fire because He wants to refine us. Amen. He wants to change us, transform us. Amen? Amen. Um, yeah, and then also it purifies, it purifies. And then also wind. It is invisible but very powerful. You know, when there are typhoons and storms, you see the trees being, being blown by wind. You don't see the wind, but it actually is the one causing the, the stuff to, you know, to, to move or to, to be blown away. And it also symbolized as a dove. We, we remember the time when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist and the dove from heaven came down. And that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit as a dove symbolizes that the character of the Holy Spirit is gentle. That's why it is the still small voice. He is a gentle God. He is a gentle God. And he is the God of peace. You know, it has been a symbol of peace that God. And then, uh, this is a very important one, the symbol of the Holy Spirit as oil. You know, during that time, uh, oil is really a necessity for them, the ancient world. Nothing will ever work without oil. But also, oil is used in all sorts of things. You know, we have medicine and all sorts of injections and all that. But in the ancient time, their medicine is mostly oil. Yeah, wood, they will put oil. Yeah, you know, in everything else that is an oil. oil is used for healing. Uh, they drink oil. You know, that's their medicine. They drink oil. Even right now, some of the alternative medicine uh, people will say, oh, you drink olive oil, or virgin coconut oil, or whatever, lacquer oil. No, because it has healing properties. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of healing. Amen. And also, it is uh, the spirit of commissioning. It is enabling. Enabling. The oil is symbolizing that uh, firstly you are chosen or set apart, but also at the same time that God enables you to do what He has called you to do. And last but not the least, it is a seal, just like what I said last week, a stamp of royalty. Which basically says that you belong to God, you're God's property, and it is an assurance of salvation. I'll uh, develop this later on in the passage, but let's move on. Now, contrary to popular belief, you know, the Holy Spirit is not just existing or did not just exist in the New Testament. It's the most prominent the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. In the book of Acts, it, um, most Bibles would say that it is the Acts of the Apostles. That's why it's called Acts. You know, uh, the fifth book of your New Testament. But really, it is Acts of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that's moving, creating, working, performing miracles in that whole book. That's why I encourage you to read the book of Acts this month, November. It's never too late. You know, you can catch up. And you will find, you know, when you read the book of Acts, by the way, it's a bit of a pointer. If you have a highlighter, as you read along, uh, highlight the name of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. And then look at your Bible, like, when you open your Bible like this, and you highlight the Holy Spirit, in one, in one page, you will find lots of highlights. It says Holy Spirit did this, Holy Spirit did this, Holy Spirit said this, Holy Spirit did that. It's the act of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is not just really prominent or existing, obviously, as a, uh, as a person of the Holy Trinity, He existed from the very beginning. Even in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is at work. Now, where, where do we find the first... Oh, I, mean, I, missed, I missed one verse. I missed one verse. Anyways, um, where do you find the first mention of the Holy Spirit in the Bible? Genesis. Genesis 1. 1. Genesis 1. In the very first page of your Bible, the Holy Spirit is there. Genesis 1 1. In the beginning, was, at the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was empty and void and formless and a darkness covered the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is basically, Holy Spirit is not mentioned as Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, but the Spirit of God, that's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God hovered 
the waters, something like that. That's the Holy Spirit. And uh, on the next verse, you will find in Genesis 2, 7, when God created Adam and Eve, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Do you remember? Spirit means ruach, which is breath. That is the breath of life that is pertained here. Now, this is parallel to what Jesus did to the disciples after he, he resurrected from the dead. And when he appeared to the disciples, afraid they were inside the room, Jesus breathes, in John 20, verse 22, he breathes to his disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathes. I wonder how that looked like. You know, when Jesus appeared to his disciples and then he breathes on them. I was wondering how Jesus did that. Or maybe that could be a better one. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. Maybe they decided to them one by one and pray for something. But anyway, that's yes, what church-going, Bible-believing Christian and yet not receive the Holy Spirit yes. You have to receive the Holy Spirit. You remember this last week? Um, before I, I go to that, there are, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit comes upon people for specific purpose. So look at this. The difference between New Testament followers of Jesus and the Old Testament servants of God is that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit does not dwell yet. He just comes upon a king, a prophet, a priest, a worker, or anyone that God calls. So, for example, uh, this guy named Bezalel in Exodus 31, the Holy Spirit comes upon him for artistry. So all the artists in the house, you know, like the Holy Spirit anoints you. Artistry basically better than this a sculptor and an artist, a painter. And he creates cracks that is basically placed in the temple. Yeah. And God, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit comes up and Bezalel to create wonderful and beautiful artwork to be placed in the temple of God. Now in this house, we need a lot of artistry. <laughs> Who will be people will raise their hand and say, Pastor Jeff, I want the Holy Spirit to come upon me so I can help beautify this church. That might be the Holy Spirit. You know, you know, you can't sing, but you can. Anyways, at this time in Gideon, in Judges chapter 6, the Holy Spirit comes upon Gideon and if you know this guy, he's a very cowardly and weakling. Not like a weakling. The Old Testament character. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon Gideon, he is anointed for leadership. And immediately, he uh, mobilizes 3,000 men to go to war against the enemy, the Midianites. But God basically cuts those 3,000 to 300. Why? Because the only 300 is really uh, with it to fight. God doesn't need 3,000. Mm. He just needs 300 who are serious. Mm. Who are serious about serving them. God's not impressed with numbers. Um, he's looking for people who will be willing. Amen. Um, the Holy Spirit comes upon Samson for strength. The Holy Spirit comes upon Isaiah for prophecy. And all and all and all you will find many characters in the Bible. The Holy Spirit comes upon David for King, the anointing, and all that stuff. But anyway, 
All the prophets in the Old Testament says it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. All these prophets are looking forward to a day when God will pour out the spirit among all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy, all men shall dream dreams, young men shall see visions. Joel chapter 2 verse 28. Many, many prophecies are related to this. But many, many years have passed, the Holy Spirit has not come. Not until Jesus. And Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise, uh, the promised Messiah in the Old Testament, but also the gateway so that the Holy Spirit can be poured out of all flesh and dwell there into those who will believe. Now let, let's have a quick look. The Holy Spirit in the New Testament, John the Baptist, comes into the picture and basically says in verse 16, John answered them all, I baptize you with water. But one who is more powerful than I, speaking to Jesus, will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with what? Rather with who? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now that word baptism is the Greek word baptizo, which means to immerse. That's why when we do our water baptism, we immerse. Because that's baptism. To immerse, right? We don't sprinkle water like that. We immerse in water. But this Jesus that we worship, he's, John the Baptist says that Jesus is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It means you will be immersed in the Holy Spirit. That's the will of God. That each believer will be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Pagpumunta ka sa beach, you have options, right? You can just sit on the shore, not get wet by the water, and just enjoy the view. Or you can, actually some people just walk to the just on the shoreline where the waves are coming, and then get their wet, their feet wet, their feet wet. <laughs> get their feet But there are people who are not satisfied. Yeah. They will actually go deeper. Jump on waves, right? That's where you are. Oh, come on, happy day! <laughs> but there are people who are still not satisfied with that. Yeah. They want to dive in because the greatest views are not about the waterline. They are underneath the water. Line. Wow. The greatest views. Amen. Amen. Yeah. What are you? Who are you? Mm. Do you want to be immersed in the Holy Spirit? Or just enjoy you? <laughs> Is it possible, I ask this question last week, is it possible to be a Bible-believing Christian and yet, yet not filled by the Holy Spirit? Yes. <laughs> it is possible to be a Bible-believing Christian and yet not be filled by the Holy Spirit. What's happening to my studies? Um, uh, I read this verse to you last week when uh, in a group of Christians in the book of Acts, uh, Paul visited them. And Acts 19, verse 1 to 7. And then why Apollos it says there, sorry, my, my laptop is not operating with me right now. It's there, right? <laughs> While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. Look at this, they're already disciples of Jesus, right? Disciples of Jesus. Um, and and, and he, said, he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And then they answered, No. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And next verse it says, So Paul asked them, What baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him that is in Jesus. And then next verse it says, On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, 
And the Holy Spirit came on them. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they received the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. There were about good men in all. The gift of tongues is one of the most beautiful. It's not the only spiritual gift, but it's one of the most beautiful gifts. And I encourage you, if you have received that gift, continue practicing it, not just when we're together, but in your personal life. Speak in tongues as much as you can. Your spirit is communing with God. Now, uh, for those of you who haven't received it, it starts with desire. It starts with desire. It's weird, yes. I know it's weird. The first time I was, you know, in a fellowship or gathering like this, and people are talking in tongues in different languages, I, I was weirded out. Not until I experienced it for myself did I understand. You know, that intimacy that exists between your spirit and the Holy Spirit is so real when you're speaking in tongues. Um, but also you can experience that in any other uh, spiritual gifts as well. But again, if you're embarrassed, then you won't receive it. If you're embarrassed, you won't receive it. Because, again, it starts with desire. You have to receive the Holy Spirit. The Lord wants you to be filled with His Spirit. Now look at this. Please work. Okay. This is the, the downside of technology. Alright, so uh, before I close, before I close, I just really want to distinctly uh, identify between the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you can have to talk. That's fine. I, I like the background music in a Indwelling of the Holy Spirit and infilling of the Holy Spirit. That, those are two things. So two different things. Again, uh, say after me, indwelling. Indwelling. And then infilling. What is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? So it says in Ezekiel, in another Old Testament uh, prophecy, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. There is a new spirit that God wants to put inside of you. There is a new spirit. Yeah? I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And it says that I will put my spirit within you. I will put my spirit within you. I will put my spirit within you. God wants to put his spirit within you. Because you, you know, apart from the spirit, you will not be able to walk in his actions. You will not be able to keep his judgment. If the Holy Spirit is in you, because only when the Holy Spirit is within you, then you, there is a natural, a supernatural but natural response of following the Lord. You want to follow the Lord because the Spirit desires that. Yeah. And He is in you. Now look at this. In John chapter 3, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, as Jesus explains it to Nicodemus. Now there was a Pharisee whose name was Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus. This is a Pharisee. Rabbi said, you know that there are teachers who come from God, but no one could perform the signs you're doing in God here. And we're not with him. <laughs> Jesus replied to Nicodemus, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they Those were hundred pieces you hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from. 
from or where it goes, so he spit everyone born of that spirit. Before you surrender your life to Jesus, you are spiritually dead. And your spirit needs to be born. And only the Holy Spirit can give birth to your spirit. Now, if you find out that you have an illegitimate brother or sister, you know, uh, when we found out that we have uh, a half-brother, right? The first response of the brothers and sisters found is like, oh, let's have a DNA test. <laughs> you know, or, you know, you know, the blood of your parent would flow in the blood of that person that basically thinks that he's a brother or your sister, you know. Now, God, as our Father, how would He identify that you are His son or daughter? Yeah. Obviously, it's not blood. It's His Spirit. If you have the same Spirit, yeah. As he does. Amen. Mm. Are you following this? Yeah. The next verse there tells us further what that means. Do you not know? You remember this, right? Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and God dwells in you? Uh, next verse, page 24. Page 24, next one. We've established this, correct? Right? You already know this, right? Look mm. this. Romans 8, 20. This is very important. You have to pay attention to this verse. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children, children of God. God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption. To sonship. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? The Bible is telling us that if you don't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you're not a child of God. You're not a child of God. And therefore, you don't have the salvation of God. Mm. Because all those who are saved are those who have the Holy Spirit in them. Mm. And for you to have the Holy Spirit in you, what do you have to do? You have to believe. In the Son of God. Yeah. Are you following this train of thought? The Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. God knows you are His Son. Yeah. God knows you are His daughter because His Spirit is in you, because you receive it. Yes. Not because you have a religion, not because you're going to church every Sunday, yeah. not because you just believe in the Bible in your mind. But you have the spirit. Mm. Amen. Can you look at the person next to you? Is that person <laughs> Can't see. Next verse, we need Jericho. Look at this. We ask the question, how can I be saved? That is tantamount to the question, how can I be a child of God? So, how can I be saved? It's basically the same as how can I be a child of God? Because to be saved is to be a child of God. Now that question, how can I be a child of God, is equal equivalent to how can I receive the Holy Spirit? Because you are not a child of God if you don't have the Holy Spirit. Amen. Are you following me? Yes. And that is talking about the question, how can I be born again? Because you are born again when the Holy Spirit is in you. Amen. You are renewed in the Spirit. And how can I be born again, John 1 God? To those who believe Him. To those who receive Him. Yes, they are to become children of God. John 3, 16. For those, that's what I do. Those who believe in Him. And that perish but that everlasting. You will receive the Holy Spirit if you really Look at this, look at this. The Holy Spirit is given to a heart that is truly yielded. Truly surrendered. It's not just a magical prayer of salvation. 
what are the kind of my sins? You know, we don't underestimate that. But God knows your heart. If your heart really is surrendering to Him. Yeah. Amen. Again, I don't see your heart. No one else does. God does. Amen. And to a heart that genuinely and authentically surrenders to God, you know what God's response is? Cleanse you of your sins and put His Holy Spirit in you. And that's when you become a child of God. That's when you have eternal life. That's when you are saved. Not your performance. How good you become. Or how religious you become. No. The Spirit of God in you. That's what God is looking for. Amen. Amen. Next slide for you, Jericho. <laughs> Look at this. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, fish and eggs, his necessity will give him a scorpion instead. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? There's an expression after this. What's the question? With all the prayers you've ever prayed in your entire life, have you ever asked for the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Because Jesus says, the Father gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. Now, survey, look at your memory lane. Every prayer that you've ever prayed in your entire life. Is there any prayer you've ever prayed where you ask God for the Holy Spirit? Yeah. You know, we ask God for provision. We ask God for money to pay our uh, bills. You know, we ask God for protection. We ask God for healing. We ask God for this. We ask God for that. We ask God for a husband or a wife or a, ch a child or children. We ask God for a job. But have you ever asked for the Holy Spirit? And Jesus is emphasizing here the Holy Spirit, yes, is the most basic necessity of your Christian life as a child of God, but also the most vital. The most important. Have you ever asked? Have you ever asked? Have you ever asked for the Holy Spirit? That brings me to my closing thought. The Holy Spirit indwells a believer. Believe in Jesus, you surrender your life to the Lord. The, Lord, the deposit is there. And you have the water please. There is a there is a deposit. The water symbolizes the Holy Spirit. The glass of this is you, right? So there is an, an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that, that spirit that is deposited inside of you, is given by the Lord so that He can form the character of Christ in you. He can form the character of Christ in you. But Christianity is two sides of the coin. It's not just salvation, it's also calling. The moment God saves you, God calls you. It means God wants uh, you to partner with Him on a certain mission, on a certain assignment. Are you following me? Amen. The indwelling of the Spirit marks you as a child of God. Now this last, it's you. I can see that the Holy Spirit is there. You are a child of God. But it doesn't mean that you are filled or full of the Holy Spirit again. The indwelling of the Spirit creates Christ-likeness in your heart. But when God calls you to do something, you cannot do it on your own strength and capability. That's why the Bible tells us to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled, 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 filled with the Holy Spirit. The infilling of the Holy Spirit enables you to do this. 
in the ministry, mm. you'll be tired. You'll be relying on your own strength, you'll be relying on your own knowledge, you'll be relying because you don't have it. Now, the Bible talks about uh, the presence of God, the only presence of God, the indwelling presence of God, and the manifest presence of God. The difference between the three is that the only presence of God we know, you know, God is all around every day, you know, God is everywhere, right? But also, God wants to dwell inside of you. That's the indwelling. We talked about that. The Holy Spirit lives in you. But the manifest presence of God is where He manifests His power. That's the indwelling. That's the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That's where God moves. The manifestation of the presence of God. God is everywhere, yes. God is inside of you, yes. But God chooses to manifest His presence. Just give you an illustration. Say, for example, that in this room, there is a multi-billionaire. He is present inside the room. He is present inside the room, a multi-billionaire. Yeah. There is a multi-billionaire. But then, you know, we don't know him, we don't see him, we don't, you know, he's inside the room. But he manifests his presence when he begins to stand up and distributes to each one of you one million dollars. Wow. Okay. Let's just wait for a bit. Mina manifest the presence. The manifest presence of God. Yes, God is with Moses. You know, you remember prayer, the prayer of Moses. God, He will not go. He will not go with us. But God's only present. Why would He pray that? If you will not go with us, then we will not go. If your presence will not go with us, then do not send us up from here. What Moses is trying to ask is, Lord, if you will not work miracles, if you will not manifest your presence, then we don't want to go. Yeah. The manifest presence is when the Red Sea opens up. Yeah. The manifest presence is when healing flows. The manifest presence is when deliverance chains are beginning to break. The manifest presence is when, you know, you are depressed and all of a sudden that spirit of depression is lifted up. Amen. The manifest presence is when God shows up. Mm. You know, we come to church, we believe God is here, and we adore Him, we worship Him. And you know why we worship Him? Of course, He is worthy, He's amazing, He is worthy of it all. One of the things that I am so motivated about worship is that, Lord, I want the manifest presence. I want healing to take place in this church. I want deliverance to take place in this church. Yeah. I want miracles to take place in this church. I don't want to be in the church. I want you to manifest. Yes, God. You know, you can be in blood and spirit, and you can be filled with the brim. But what I always ask. Before Sunday comes, I don't want to be filled to the brim. I want to be overflowing. Because I need to pour out to your people. I need to pour out. I need to pour out. If I just go to the brim, that's just for me. But if I'm overflowing. Yeah. If I go to the hospital,
God wants you to be full of the Spirit. If you're not full of the Spirit, there are spirits in this world body to fill you. Yeah. The spirit of greed, the spirit of lust, the spirit of materialism, the spirit of depression, the spirit of corruption, the spirit of poverty, the spirit of empathy. Every spirit in this world is fighting to fill you. If you're not filled with the spirit, it will occupy a space in you. If, if, you're, if you're not filled with the spirit, it will occupy a space in you. Yeah. Don't give the devil a space. Don't give the devil a space. Worship God, church. 
Thank you for joining us in today's episode, and we hope that we will have you again in the next one. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance, His smile over you, and give you peace. Shalom. God bless you.